Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. We're live. Welcome to uh, Always Almost There, day after show, after the first night of a three-night run at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. And today we have two people who are at the show, uh, Alexius and Brett, and then Brian and myself were watching from home last night. So uh, folks, let's begin with the two of you that were at the show. Um, Brett, tell us a little bit about the place and, you know, you're, you're from the area, so like you've got a little bit of a familiarity there. So uh, tell us your experience getting there, getting in, things like that. Yeah, well, I didn't get there too early. I, I knew the, you know, per, per usual with Goose, it probably wouldn't start on time and everything. So I, I uh, ended up getting there around 8, which still was fairly early, all things considered. But assigned seating and everything, I wasn't worried about finding a spot or anything. So that was good. And uh, getting in was quick, easy. Uh, the venue is beautiful, of course. It's obviously very historic. I haven't been there uh, only one other time, but but it was great. It's a really awesome place to see the band, and I was super excited to be there and excited to go back these next two nights as well. So, Alexis, what about you? Like, different experience this time. So, this is assigned seating, so you're not doing your traditional pre-show ritual here. Right? So, this was totally different than normal. It was very different because I was able to go out and enjoy the city. And then also, you know, usually I'm a rail rider, so the rail riding crew was not the same. And as we're looking down, we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, what are these people doing? They're not even moving. And so... The rail riding crew, it was really funny because the most of us were in the very, very back of the house. Balcony up top, like, we got a spot and, like, all of us were still jamming together because you could dance up there together. So it was just, like, super crowded in the seats. Like, there's one less person, it'd be perfect. And so we were just, like, in the back dancing together. And we all, by the end of the night, were, like, found each other. And so it was really funny that no matter what, like, we were all still in the same building and, like, all still found each other. Each other and we're dancing together 
Yeah, so so I have uh, questions, actually. I, I heard that the pews were absolutely awful to dance in last night. And that <laughs> yeah, was responsible for... Yeah, that was responsible for, like, people are, like, saying, uh, like, watching stream and, like, in you know, whatever, like, Facebook or Twitter, like, why are people dancing? But there was, like, quite literally no room to dance. Is that true, or...? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was in out. those seats. Sorry, you go ahead. You were in those seats. Yeah, yeah. No, Alexis, you bailed out and like danced elsewhere. Is that I, right? Or I bailed out and danced elsewhere because I couldn't. I couldn't move. There was nowhere to move. Like you could only like literally just dance a little bit. So you know. So we we're like, nope, we're going to the back. Right on. Awesome. Yeah, they're, Brian, they're pretty tight but, in there and. It was, oh, ahead, it was actually weird. Speaking of rail, it was so weird seeing that there was no rail in the front at all. And people like were just leaning up on the stage. And you don't get to see that like with a band their size these days, like very often at all. So I just wanted to point that out. It was, it was cool to see actually people like right up close there like that. I also feel like that would be like awkward, right? Like you feel like you don't want to like invade space. And like usually there's some kind of like barrier preventing you from doing that. But it definitely seemed like the folks who were in the front were like, really sure what to do here. Like, it's pretty, pretty fascinating space. And but, uh, I do have to add, like, you know, people that weren't there don't know this. Someone brought in, like, a brand new baby, like, that was between, like, two and four months old. And it was, like, on the third row, screaming bloody murder through, like, the first four oh, or five man. songs. Like, shaking Rick up. So... Definitely everyone was pretty much shaken on the first set because that baby is like screaming bloody murder. All of us are wondering, does this baby have headphones in? You know, like what are the parents doing? You know, like so. And I know I take my kids to shows, but like so we're just, you know, we're all wondering like what's going on. And it was just a very young baby and it was screaming bloody murder through at least the first three or four songs. So people that weren't there didn't know that. And they're like, what's going on? So I'm sure that affected everything everyone's vibe who was you know who was within hearing distance of that baby and so that was a big like my my thing was blowing up this morning just like oh my gosh that screaming baby was like <laughs> I hope that baby's okay and you know that baby was assaulted all night it was so close to the stage and you know and the parents were just so I, so people that weren't there didn't know that but just so you know that there was a screaming baby right in front of Rick that totally threw the vibe for all of us the first like few songs so it wasn't the band it was the baby that was throwing the butt and he's just like sitting there just like looking at the baby like oh my gosh you know <laughs> like and feeling badly for you know for the baby so just wanted to throw that out there yeah i saw the baby i didn't realize it was screaming i couldn't hear it back where i was i was like back a little ways but i couldn't hear it so i mean i didn't notice anything uh, with the band that didn't seem like they were thrown off. I mean, that we'll get to it, but that Atlas was pretty good. So, oh, yeah, that Atlas was awesome. So, but the photographer, so, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, they I was were gonna say, let's talk about the music in a minute. I, I want to say hi to Brian. Brian, hello. Hello. Uh, hello. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you were on the couch also, like I was. Um, so, not much to say about the vibe of the place, but um, I didn't pick up on, on any of this from where I was sitting. Did, did you? No, it's funny uh, hearing all the in-house stories because you, you see it all from a totally different way. I'm sitting on the couch watching tour dates come up, uh, you know, flipping back and forth between baseball opening day. My brother came over. We're hanging out, getting the kids down to sleep, um, all this sort of stuff. And then 
out of nowhere, Goose comes on stage and <clears throat> Brett, you noted like the people hanging on to the stage, you know, without any sort of a rail. That was a really cool thing to see. But I definitely noticed, and I wonder, are, are there pews on the floor? Because it looked like there were weird spaces of gaps, like from from the, the couch, it looked as though it was undersold and it looked as, as though, um, you know, it just wasn't like that packed floor that you got like in Athens or that you get at typical goose shows where like people are really upfront to the show. And I wonder if that in any sort of way affected um, just kind of the uh, overall vibe of like right up front in front of the band. But, you know, from a from a sonic standpoint, as we'll get into, um, I, I loved a lot of last night. We, we can talk through that, but uh, uh, definitely did not hear the, the crying baby from the couch. Uh, yeah, well, I picked up on that the, too. Uh, and oh, go ahead, Brett. No, it's. Um, I was just gonna say the the seats like there's no standing room at all unless you go all the way up in the balcony. I, I think so. The seats go right up to the front, so that's Crazy. probably why you're seeing like not such a packed space. The seats can be kind of tight, but yeah, the, the seats just go all the way up, so there isn't there isn't really any of that packed standing room that you get in most shows. And, and that's an interesting thing, right, Brian, that, that you bring up. And we were actually talking about this in Philly uh, when we were there. When you're on the floor at the Met, you're absolutely crammed in, like, you mm. know, elbow to elbow with the person next mm. to you. You're like basically touching the person in front of you. And to me, when I'm in a space like that at a show, that makes me dance a little bit harder because the people who are to my left or to my right, I'm kind of like feeling their energy and like dancing off of that. But when you have a sparse crowd like this, where you've got like many, many seats, right? It's not like a typical auditorium seating situation, but it is kind of spread out. And it did kind of seem like folks were like a little bit tight. And then I imagine without much leg room there, there's there's not much dancing going on. So right. kind of explains that first set a little bit. So uh, why don't we talk about the music? Because there's, there's a lot, a lot to unpack here. And this is, you know, this is a really exciting two set show. I think sometimes when we talk about shows, there's like, we rush through one set because we're like really excited to talk about another set and not the case here. I'm, I'm really stoked to talk about a couple things that happened in this first set. But uh, so we're starting off with Atlas Dogs and Atlas. And this is really cool. Like, you know, obviously Atlas and Atlas Dogs, like, ha ha. But the last time Atlas was played, they played it 29 shows ago, Southside Ballroom, Dallas. They kind of flipped it. They played Atlas, Atlas, then Atlas Dogs at that show. So it's an interesting tidbit. So I think maybe every time we get Atlas, we get we get both of those songs, which is fantastic because Atlas Dogs is killer. And anytime they play it, I'm just like clinging to hope that we get an Atlas Dogs jam like we have gotten in years past or last year. Um, and then, of course, Atlas just crushes. It's like one of those first Goose songs that really grabbed me. When I heard the Buffalo version, uh, you know, I was like, "This, this is it. This is the stuff." But uh, uh, Alexius, what did you, what did you think? Those first two songs. I'm very, very happy because those are like absolutely my favorite two, like absolutely my favorite two songs. So to get both of them, I was just, you know, just so excited to get both of them and in the same like back to back and so I'm, I'm like you know like i was just like yes you know like are, are we gonna get this and when it happened i was just you know just dancing just kind of lost in the moment that i was just like oh my gosh this is happening this is so awesome so i was very very excited about it and it was so good 
but it was so, you know, like we all were talking about the baby and, you know, kind of throwing off the vibe. And I think that was more of us just being worried about it, but, you know, but I mean, it was awesome. It was so good. So I think that they played it very well. Brett, how's the vibe in the room for, for those two? You know, I think people are still getting their footing in. Um, the Alice Dogs was awesome. Yeah. That was good to so hear. I think. And, um, yeah, people were like, people were getting their footing, but these like two chicks that I knew were beside me. And it was so funny because on our rail, like on our road, the, the women were getting it harder than the men. The men were kind of looking at us like, what are y'all doing? And we were just like dancing all over the place. And so, so then it starts to like gain traction on the second one and, you know, and it just gets better and better. And, but it, it's always the first, the first and second song people are getting their footing. So it's, if you love it or if you don't, but I personally love it cause I love those songs, but yeah, I mean, the vibe in the room was everyone's kind of looking around like shocked to be in the Ryman with goose, you know? So it's just kind of, gaining it it's you know gaining its footing and getting in there Brett where were you I personally always I personally always think the first night first set always goes a little bit slow like I'm always expecting that you know because we've got to build up to the last night so if you ever expect that the first night first set's going to blow you out of the water like I don't think that I never expect that yeah, I, I agree. But I think they did really well. The Atlas Dogs was a great opening choice, I think. Interestingly, also opened Night One Nashville last year. Uh, so I remember vividly because that was my first show. Uh, but anyways, the that, that was really cool. It didn't go too long and went right into that Atlas, which was really, really cool to hear. Um, the jam on it was really great. Uh, Peter hitting the clap a little bit and the piano a little bit later on. And, just a really cool, like funky jam on that, which I really loved. I thought Atlas Dogs works really, really well as an opener. It's got this like, <clears throat> excuse me, that like eerie sort of guitar intro that goes into it. And there's so much happening. It's like kind of polyrhythmic in a lot of ways. And you can just hear uh, so much happening underneath the surface. I saw it live for the first time at Goosemiss this year. And I'd always liked the song, but it was kind of one of those experiences where like you see a song live and you kind of see how it happens, how it hits a room. Um, you watch a different band member as they're, you know, kind of playing through it. And it just like, it elevates the song to a different level. So I've gone back and there are those great jamming versions from, you know, winter 2022. It's really kind of tightened up as this, you know, five minute, just kind of punch you in the face sort of song. And it worked really, really nicely there in the opening slot. Um, Atlas is really interesting. I'm, I'm not the biggest Wood Brothers fan but like they take this song in a jamming direction that I find really fascinating. The 527 version from last year was excellent. And um, uh, this version, like it, it just, it kind of elevated whatever anticipation it, at least from the couch that people had for goose playing the Ryman, where I think Alexis, your, your point of, you know, the first set of a three night run, it always kind of takes a little bit of time to get in there. I kind of felt like they were taking their time, like just setting some foundation, but also just hit on a groove and, and took that off to like this very peaking jam that like very classic tension and release stuff that we would get all throughout 2020 from goose. You get that right away. And I, I texted someone at some point, like it doesn't matter what song they're playing right now. It doesn't matter that they're not taking like a huge amount of challenge or a huge amount of risk in this jam. Like this is just, 
the, the power of Goose in this moment that I absolutely love. Yeah, absolutely killer song. And one of the things that I really, really enjoyed about this particular Atlas, because I think Atlas is like an interesting mixed bag. If you go back two versions ago to Westville when they played it, incredible yeah. bliss jam in this. So good. Yeah. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. This completely different. Um, like you said, kind of a throwback jam to, you know, years past like 2019, 2020. But uh, one thing that really stuck out to me and kind of blew up our group chat was Peter was getting an incredible growl out of the clav on this one when like he kind of like laid into it and it was like croaking like a frog. Incredible. <laughs> it was just so good. And uh, yeah, that was the one thing that stuck out to me on this one. Like didn't go crazy places, but didn't need to because it was just starting off the show and starting it off just right. Um, yeah. So next few songs, I kind of want to lump these together because they're all kind of interesting to some degree or another. Um, so Butterflies again, which if, if anybody's watched Day After Show, they've heard me talk about how much I love this song and how much I think Same. this song has the ability to be something much more than it is. It is a truly mm. unique Goose song that has this amazing droning segment to it that could be wonderful if they stretched it out. So we, we got that. And then we got Indian River, new feel Indian River with a completely new jam segment on the end of it um, with the Peter Arpeggiator piece, which was absolutely amazing. And then that followed with Everything Must Go, which is just like another blazing version of a new, you know, Goose Rick song. Um, and yeah, every single one of these kind of stands out on its own for different reasons, but that what a, what an awesome segment to throw like in the center of set one. I think by the end of it, you might've been wondering like, all right, when are we going to pick it up here? But when you see what comes after, I think that all makes sense in context. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I agree with you. I think that this is kind of like a mellow little segment here in the first set, but it all works really well. I'm right on the same page with you with butterflies. Uh, it's got a soft place in my heart. It's, it's a song that I, I passed to a friend of mine who was a goose skeptic. And for whatever reason, this is the song that finally connected him. And now he's been out traveling out here to Colorado to see them multiple times. He's coming out for red rocks. Like this is the song that hooked him. And so every time I hear it, I think about, you know, the, th this is a band that is, you know, on the one hand, they're jamming really heavily. On the other hand, they're writing songs like this that sound like they kind of come off of like a 90s indie rock record. And these are the type of songs that can like bring people into this band in a way that, um, you know, the, the, the larger jam band world might not have appealed to those listeners in some cases. I thought it was a great version. Indian River Man, this re reworked version it's a war on drugs song and I love it. And it just like makes me want them to cover the war on drugs, like for real, but the jam off this, I thought was great and everything must go. I thought like in this slot worked really nicely because you got these, this experimentation, you got some energy even out of mellow songs to have like a true ballad that then builds into such a peak. It, it felt as though like everything must go kind of went off the path a little bit, which was really nice to hear them just experiment with it. And again, similar to what my thoughts were about the Atlas jam, it's nothing complicated. It's just like goose executing at a really high level in attention and release style that I loved. So from the couch, it, it worked really well. Alexis, yeah, what I'm... do you think? All right, Brett, go ahead. Sorry, we keep <laughs> sure. missing those cues, but... It's all good. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you guys on Butterflies. I love that song. 
I think it's uh, to Ryan's point, just a great song that uh, it shows what Goose does like better than any other band in the scene right now, which is their songwriting, and just you know capable of bringing in people from all over. I mean, they're on the radio now, right? But anyway, besides <laughs> the point, um, Butterflies is a great song. I love that like weird polyrhythmic or whatever you want to call it, like weird time signature thing they have going on at the end. It kind of almost sounds like a skipping record or something. Yeah, like it yeah. sounded insane in the room, just like, and watching the lights, it was, it was crazy. I love it. And the Indian River, that, that like almost the slow ready type of like arpeggiating uh, the jam on the end of it was super sick. I, I don't know if I like the the new version of Indian River as much as the old version, but the jam definitely, you know, you gave it a couple extra points for me. And Everything Must Go is great. I, I love it. I um, agree with Brian again that it, it seemed like the energy was a little lower with the last couple of songs, but that Rick's tone and the like solo he ripped at the end of that uh, Everything Must Go is awesome. And then, of course, the Rockdale came next, which we will talk about. Um, I, I love the butterflies. Actually, the butterflies caught me this time or butterfly caught me this time because I haven't liked it in the past. And I, and this time I was like, Oh, this is like, this is getting jammy. Like, this is what I knew it had good potential, but it just like, wasn't there yet for me. And then last night it got jammier and I was like, all right, I was like, this is what I know that these guys can do. And it's just, they've just been so busy. It's just been really hard for them to possibly, you know, to take time to, to do this. And so I really enjoyed the jam last night on that. Um, I agree with Brett about, you know, the Indian River. I'm a fan more so of the older Indian River, but, um, but I really liked it. You know, like Slow Ready is my jam. So, and it's my jam because I love the, you know, I love the breakdown into it. And so when they broke down into that, I was like, oh yeah, you know, we're getting some Slow Ready without a Slow Ready. So, um, so I really got into that and yeah, but my section was walking all through that, like the upper part. I mean, it, you know, we had gotten into it by that and like everyone was just like rocking it hardcore. And it was like, we were dying of a heat stroke at that point. I had my fan <laughs> like passing the fan around they're like oh lifesaver and everyone's got their water and drinks and stuff because i mean it it was definitely super hot and we were all jamming by that point as much as we could in the pews <laughs> you know like so but it was it was really good like it started that's like for us that's when it really started to you know to get into it and stuff was the indian river and you know and all that can, can i ask a question just off that Indian river that like the synth breakdown segment that's similar to slow ready. I keep hearing out of that and out of the slow ready from Athens, it sounds like they're playing around with the theme from eminence front, which they haven't played since I think November, 2021. And every time it happens, I text Ryan storm eminence front in all caps with like 45 exclamation points. And then 30 seconds later, I'm like, wait, they're just jamming again. But does anyone else hear that? They're like, like they're not playing it, but they're playing kind of around it. Yeah, well, I'll say this. You're, like you're not the only person who texted Ryan Storm Eminence Front last <laughs> night, um, which is actually pretty funny because I think I did. I think Vickers did last night. I think or Vickers <laughs> did this morning when he woke up and, and listened to the show. But I mean, they've been dancing around Eminence Front for days now. Yeah. And I mean, it has to be coming any any minute in Wisteria, which like comes later in the show. I mean, absolutely. 
like they're they're right on top of it. And so if we don't see it in the next day or two, I'd be I'd be shocked. I'd be absolutely shocked. It's kind of like the loose ends that they were playing with throughout uh, the cap run, but they never actually played it. But like in the Maduvan, you heard it. Um, I think it was Drive, maybe you heard it as well. It just feels like they're playing around with these rarities and just teasing (laughs) us. And we'll see if it actually comes at some point in time. But uh, it's 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 a kind of a fun game they're playing. I was trying to see what the set list was from last night because I've you know the last few set lists and stuff, and I was just like. Um, but yes, I've heard that eminence and, and I, and I just keep saying like, okay, they just keep teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. And are we going to get it? Or are they just going to tease us to death? (laughs) I was just asking my husband, I was like, Hey, can you bring me the set list from last night? So I can see, you know, if it's, if it's on there, cause usually if they cut something off, like it'll be coming in days. And, but that has not been on the set list for the last like three nights, but I'll look at last night and see what it. I love the I don't game wanna, I'm not gonna give you play. Yeah, I mean, and this is not something new, right? They they do this kind right. of thing all the time. Like they will, um, like, like absolutely hammer on the dark horse theme, and then eventually get around to playing dark horse, or maybe not at all. Um, and then the same thing with dragonfly. Yeah, those th- those themes appear often, and like this is the thing that they're hung up on right now. You know, it's like that lick. If you play an instrument, every time you pick up the instrument, like it's like play that you got lick. Your lick. Yeah, maybe that's it right now. And maybe that's, you know, what they're all feeling. But, um, you know, one last note before we kind of move on to kind of the, the big piece of the, the first set here is uh, just the one last thing I wanted to say about butterflies is uh, if you're like me and you like Yola Tango, this kind of droning jam yeah. is like it is Yola Tango. And like, that's exciting. I don't know if Peter's a Yola Tango fan. But he certainly wrote a song that sounds like it could be like a Yola Tango music section. Yeah, it sounds like and, a song that's like midway through, um, uh, what is their 97 album? Um, I Can Hear the Heartbeat in his one. Like it has that like drone to it and that like very classic 90s indie rock sound to it. I love it. I'm right there with you. Yeah, killer. Um, all right, so Rockdale. Um, and this one's a monster. So Nashville is known for having monster rocktails. Right? true. So we got one last year. Brett, you were at that show, yes? Yes, I was. All right. So what did you what did you think of last year's Rockdale? What do you think of this year's Rockdale? <laughs> and how do they stack up against each other? Well, to be honest, I don't know I don't remember the last time I went back to listen to the Rockdale from last year. I don't remember it all too well. I do remember at that time I was like still e- easing my way into like really getting into the band. Um I knew a lot of the stuff, but I, I still wasn't like gung ho about it like as much as I am now. But I, I mean, last year was incredible. I, I it wasn't something that I walked away like with. It, the pancakes was what I walked away with from last year, like the most. But understandably, yeah, yeah. yep. The Rockdale, yes. I mean, we don't have to get into that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> last year's Rockdale it's was a whole podcast. We yeah. Good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one I think might be uh, one of my favorite gems. I mean, definitely one of my favorite gems of the year so far. Uh, like, bar none. I don't know. It's it had like this dirty section at the beginning that was super, you know, or the beginning of the jam that was like really just funky and, and you know grimy and. Then Peter came in. Rick kind of like dropped out, 
and let Peter just like go about what he was doing. I, I don't remember what like key what exactly he was on, but he laid down this theme that just like permeated throughout the rest of the gym, which was so great. And when Rick picked it back up and they just built it out to the end on this like I don't even know how to describe. It, it wasn't exactly dark, but it was like melancholy but triumphant. And yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I loved it so much. I felt like it was like, I felt like that they kind of in the last few shows have been playing like a darker version. Actually, when I was watching y'all's last podcast, like, or not y'all's last podcast, when I was watching the jam of the year and Peter was on and like breaking it down, you know, and stuff and how he was talking about like um, last year, Philly kind of got dark and everything. And so I've been at like all the last shows and I feel like that they've kind of been on like that dark theme, which at first I was kind of like, I don't know about this, but I'm, I'm super getting into it. Like I'm liking how that they're doing lots of versions of it because it's going to give us more of a reason to go back to shows because you don't know what you're going to get. Are you going to get this dark version? Or are you going to get this, you know, this version, which version are you going to get? And so it brings it, you know, and, and then it also gives them more of a, you know, more leeway to play what they want to play at different shows, you know, especially coming into music festival season, music festival people, they expect certain songs. So now this gives them more of a leeway, which way that they're going to play this and which way that they're going to do things. And so I like it. I think it's kind of, you know, it's definitely something that you've got to get, got to get more used to you're just kind of like, oh wait, this isn't this isn't the way it was, but it it was a really good jam. But I felt I felt I was like, oh, this is kind of going darker. I like Dark Goose. This is this is sounding good. Yeah, if if you've listened to the uh, the Arabolo conversation with Tom Marshall uh, and RJ, this is this is a blanket petting jam. This is one where Peter kind of <laughs> has to pet the blanket after because it's just terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's really, really good. It was a killer, killer rocktail. And if I if I can jump in real quick again, no matter what the rocktail jam sounds like, getting back into the song at the end and closing the set is just one of the greatest things you can ever see. And that's all. I yeah, rocktail is. I mean, it's ridiculous to me. It's one of those goose songs I could hear at every show, and I don't think I would get sick and tired of it. It's it sounds like them covering the band, but writing their own song at the same time like it just it has this kind of campfire feel to it and it's just like this party in the woods type of vibe to it and every time it like starts it's just like it's, it's one of those moments like when a song like that starts like everyone around you just like high fives and hugs each other it's just like no matter what happens with the song it just rocks and then on top of it they jam it really well and we have these versions from uh, was it Cleveland last year had like a really amazing version that went on for like 25 minutes. Uh, the version I saw at Goosemas was just like killer with crazy train teases. There have already been some oh, great yeah. versions here thus far this year. This one went into this like really beautiful zone and like, you know, you, you hit it, Brett, like it was melancholic, but it was also like really uplifting. And like at some point I was like, they're never going to find a way back to Rockdale, but they have to get back to Rockdale because like, Goose does such a good job of getting back to the song, closing it, and like that's the that that's the set right there. And I didn't know how they were going to do it, and somehow they figured out a way, you know, 
musically to get back there. And they ended up back in Rockdale and it just was this like triumphant close to the overall set. I, I loved it. it. It summarized a lot of what I really enjoyed about the overall set, just that kind of mellow flow, that mellow vibe to it where experimentation kind of took over. And I, I had this thought at this point, like, um, you know, March, 2022 is kind of this hallowed ground for goose at this point. Like every single show from that month is just stunning. There's so much experimentation. You know, you have the, the, the Michigan show that has like nine or 10 songs in it. Like everything's over 20 minutes. Nashville night two has like banger after banger, all 20 minute versions, obviously Philly night two. Um, I don't, I don't want to compare in any sort of way, but I got the same sort of sense of like the band feels like the band has obviously had a lot of eyes on them over the last year. And you think about the Trey show, you think about all the festivals that they played towards the end of the summer, Red Rocks, ACL, the Trey tour. There's a lot going on, you know, politically in the band. And it felt like at times they were on like a job interview for, for the last six months, they were still killing it. And like, they're still great shows, but like, it felt like they were buttoned up in a little bit of a way. And it feels like when, when I'm hearing them evolve on this tour, they don't care about the eyes right now. And they don't care if anyone's watching. The only people that they care about are the people in that room, the people who are at home who are watching these webcasts on a night to night basis, the people who are listening to these shows, talking about them. And they're kind of playing those shows for these people. And there's an aspect to that that feels very loose, but very tight in a way that only goose can be. And this Rockdale just kind of exemplified it. And we'll obviously get into the second set here, but like I felt that pour over into the second set. We, we talked about this briefly earlier, but this is this is exciting, right? We, every day after show so far, we've talked about Goose's patience. I think mm. this Rockdale is a good example of that. And then as we go into the second set, you get even more of that. Um, and it's fascinating because I think some people are impatient with Goose's patience uh, <laughs> right now. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen some pretty high profile people saying like, you know, I really wish Goose would get there faster. Um, on jams like this. And I, I don't know if I agree. Like when I, when I think about, you know, Philly echo, or I think about the earthling or alien that they played in Boston, they, they gave it time and they allowed the music to come to them. And I think that connects with what you're saying, Brian. And, and, and Peter even said that when we had him on the podcast, he was like, well, you know, at the end of 2022, we just felt all the eyes on us and we just wanted to go out there and do our best. But now there are far fewer eyes or maybe not. It's hard to say, but they're just maybe not caring about that so much. And they're just letting this music breathe. And boy, did we get that in the second set. <laughs> just really, really exciting stuff to talk about. Um, and we're just going to pick this maybe one song at a time, because I think that's pretty important. Um, and this Wisteria Lane that opens the second set is, is absolutely wonderful. I think you get two distinct sections of music in this Wisteria. You get the, the kind of very crunchy, dark pickup with Peter on guitar, and then everything kind of settles down into peace. And then Peter gets on the piano and then you build right back up again to yet another giant peak. And, you know, as a single piece of music, this Wisteria, not like an all time banger Wisteria, like the Wisterias we've talked about in, you know, years past, but like, this is really good. This is really, really good. Wisteria has like incredible re-listen value. And like I said, just two really killer sections and, a lot of really good Peter in this one. And I feel like you get a lot of that in Wisteria. That Wisteria was banger. I mean, being in there, it was, it was really good. I, 
it was it was really good that you know like when i was talking about the dark and you know and it kind of going dark and stuff and that that was like kind of what led over from rockdale into wisteria and um at that point i'm definitely back on the rail and everyone everyone that i could see was jamming like really hard and um it was just a great vibe in the room and the and the whole vibe picked up like crazy the second set i mean everyone was just rocking out everyone was ready for it then they're like okay this is this is what we're doing i feel a lot of people came in traveling too so they were tired you know first mm. day first set and then you know and then the music's going and you get in the groove and then everyone was definitely in the groove by second set everyone was moving and there was no one standing still like however however much you could move they were moving you know and so definitely probably on screen y'all didn't pick up you you know, because there wasn't much room to move, but everyone was definitely like jamming as hard as they could. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like you said, it wasn't like the best wisteria in the world, but being there especially was like insane. I mean, the first jam was really cool and they, they, uh, you know, it's quieted down and I didn't know exactly where they were going to go with it, but it just built for, I don't know how, however long that second section of it was like 15 something minutes or something like that, where it just went and went and went up and up and up and up and exploded. And it was insanely cool. And we will get to what came next, but Ben at the end, like when it, after the peak hit and it kind of came back down and Ben started to like hit this driving beat to, kind of keep going and and rick just turned around to him and gave him like a nod to like we've done enough and i mean it's a it's a 27 minute wisteria i was i was just watching it as like it, it started and as like that first jam ended and they went into the second one i was like okay they're you know you get a lot of wisterias that are in that like 16 to 23 minute range like you get like multi-sections to the jams but like this was two very distinct segments that sound nothing alike and are kind of one of those magic moments that only happen with improvisational music like this where like these are two musical ideas that don't belong together and somehow they're together in a way that flows perfectly and there's gonna be a ton of re-listen value to this um I mean, I need to go back and re-listen to it. I, I had a bunch of hasty ranking comments last night to a number of people. Just I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing what's happening. But um, the first jam in particular, you know, there's like a moment, um, not to compare these two, but like there's there's a moment uh, in a really quality fish jam where the whole band aligns on a riff and it, and it kind yeah. of builds and you feel that like wave just like transpire through the crowd and everybody locks in on a single groove and it could last 30 seconds. It could last 90 seconds, whatever it is. It's like that type of moment that makes, you know, makes going to see fish really, really amazing. And I, I, there was a moment where they had the camera right on Peter and he's playing the riff that they're all playing and they're all stopping on a dime. And he just has this like stupid grin on his face, like couldn't be happier than he was in that moment. And, you know, you talk about it, Alexis, like the, 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 the vibe in the crowd at that point was like raised. You could see that on the, on the camera. Like you could tell that the band was feeling it. You could tell the crowd was feeling it. like I got chills, like just talking about it. It was just one of those moments where if you don't take these chances, if you don't try to jam out these songs, you're never going to find these moments. You take these chances enough times. You play a song like Wisteria that like, 
I don't know. Did it have, did it have a bad version last year? I don't think so. Like every version seemed to be like a Holy fuck moment. This was, this was like that in a lot of ways. And I don't know where it's going to end up like on my overall list at the end of the year, but like listening to it last night, I was on, I was, I was at a complete other level. listening to it. It was amazing. I got to say, I'm really excited to go back and listen to it again after your endorsement just now. I'm like really hyped on the jam now. I maybe wasn't so hyped on it when we started talking about it, but like now I'm pretty fired up and I need to go back and listen to it again. It was good stuff. I also, I was thinking when, when Ben had that other, that riff going after the, the, the come down of the last peak, I was like, are these guys going for like a 35, 40 minute long That's, jam here? Cause they're in the zone and it sounds like they could do it, but you know, yeah, he said well, he kept it going. I was like, out. is this still going to, go? like, <laughs> I think that's the trouble with having a drummer with Ben's personality, because I think he would just keep going. Just like, keep going. I mean, oh, yeah. And this yeah. has happened before. Like we've, we've talked about it. The, the second jam that happened in the, the legend Valley, all I need yeah, was yeah, not was supposed to happen. He just started playing. Because they put a spotlight right, on him, right, and he right. was like, "Well, I, I guess I'm gonna play." And then, like, boom, <laughs> 27 minutes of all, all I need, and like, that's what you get. Um, so I imagine like there's a little bit of like Rick kind of like reining him in and being like, "Dude, come on!" Like, let's play specifically here. turn around and like give him the nod because I think they must have known what was gonna. It was on the set list right after Wisteria, right? Then the way it is came, and uh, he, yeah. He so let's talk about that um, because this is super important. Uh, RJ from Osiris mm. has mm. said time and time again that he really, really wants to hear the way it is. And he just missed. I think there was a lot one of night. like ha- hazing going on that he missed it. By I, one had to, night I had to delete a text message I sent him. You know, I'm so thankful that iPhones why <laughs> to delete text messages because I sent him like a, the way it is, you got it. And like, I was, I wasn't expecting any text from him last night. And then Ryan told me that he's, he's not there tonight. So I went back in and deleted it. And we talked in the morning. But oh man. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. I mean, I might've oh. just done that to him anyway. I just left it out there and just been like, but incredibly short version. Like you uh, didn't get this. Uh, this is no Eau Claire the way it is. How was it at the show? Um, I, Everyone was really uh, excited yeah. to hear. It. I I was definitely shocked that it ended so quickly. Like definitely was sh- yeah. shocked that it was a lot longer, and I expected that it would be. But I was really excited. I think I think I haven't gotten that one yet. So like personally, so I was really excited to get that one on the list, but they did, did a really good really cover up. Yeah, I, I um, shoot, what was I going to say about So, yeah, when they ended the Wisteria, I could hear in Peter's piano playing when I went back and listened this morning that he was kind of hinting at, like, getting to the way it is, just in, like, the notes and the chords he was, like, you know, dancing around. And so I think that's what made Rick ultimately like tell Ben to let's move on to it. But when they, I didn't hear it at that time that specifically, but then Peter hit like a big chord or something right after they, they settled it down. And I was like looking around, like, are they going to do it finally? Cause it had been on a few set lists previously, like this tour, right? Like one or two that they were supposed to play it, I think. And it never came up. So I knew it had to be coming at some point. And I heard him kind of dance around it. And then Ben's drum beat came in. I was like, oh my God. 
They're going to do it. <laughs> and the place went crazy for it. I, I, I didn't hear anyone singing so loudly like to anything else the whole time. I mean, personally, like going back and listening to the show like afterwards, the Rockdale to me is the highlight. But in the moment, there at the show, that the way it is was like the best thing to see because everyone was singing along. I posted a video that I took, a quick video on Twitter of like the chorus part and just everyone was singing the song. It was mm. incredible energy, which they ended up keeping throughout that entire set, which was so, so great. Yeah, it's killer. It's a rarity, um, but brief. So no yes. jam in this one. And like that sad face, uh, because one of my all-time favorite Goose jams is the the way it is jam from the Pines and Eau Claire in 2021. Mm. I mean, so it's just good. gorgeous. So good. Uh, so every time we hear it, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what like I yearn for is like that space again. But they had business to take care of because they had a, like a, yeah. a one o'clock hard curfew and they really, really wanted to get a few more songs in. Yeah. And so we get... A, a an unfinished creatures uh, that just kind of died out into an absolutely blazing pancakes, which is yes. outrageous. I mean, th to end off your show with like a, a creatures pancakes white lights, that is a gift to the audience, right? This this is like we're gonna rage extra hard to end out this show, and we're gonna play some pretty serious bangers. What did what did yeah, you I all think? I felt like the, the Creatures Pancakes obviously flowed really nicely. And if you look at the set list today, there's a lot that's expected afterwards. So it felt like both Wisteria and Pancakes kind of threw them off the course and they just like, they went with it. And I love when they do that, when they're just, uh, they, you know, they just kind of give themselves over to the jam. Because I've got to imagine when they're constructing the set list, they're kind of thinking both like half jamming, half not jamming. And then they fall into a jam and you just like, you go and now two, three songs get off the, off the set list. But I really like creatures midway through a second set. I, I, I think that if it anchors a set like opening set two, it, it sometimes struggles to like really hold down the power that like a wisteria or Arcadia or Drive does. Um, but I thought it was really nice at this point in time. It's kind of that, you know, uh, transitional moment in the overall set. And if you throw creatures in, not only do we get a really good groove, we get some Peter dancing, but we also get a cool jam that comes out of it. Um, and then that going into pancakes, like. I don't know, man. Pancakes is like one of the songs that you hear it live and it just like, I'm all smiles, like hands, in, like fists in the air type of thing. It's just, it's an amazing live song. And this version just seemed to, I, I, again, I need to go back to it. There's so much music that I feel like I need to go back to. And I'm like, you know, blurry on cause, cause I was listening late at night, but it felt like it kind of went off the path and then it did a really nice job of coming back to the pancakes peak. Um, and I remember texting with a few friends, like, we're going to get another four song second set here. And had they had a little bit of a later curfew or, you know, whatever it may be, we get them walking off after pancakes, coming back on for white lights. But it was one of those funny, like 2020, 2021 moments of goose where they lose track of time. They're playing too much music. And then, all right, we're, we're not going to walk off the stage, but here's the encore for you guys. And I kind of love that. Yeah. I it was I like that you know like yeah. I mean of course you love the encore and stuff but you know it was uh, it was that's the, like the second time that they've done that where they've with me like where they've jammed so hard and lost track of time that they're like okay we can't we can't do this we've got to you know stay on and um, and then white lights coming out with that you know it was uh, 
and that's always an awesome way to end in the night. And especially like when you have a next day, like it's almost kind of like for me, it's almost kind of like a comma, like, okay, hey, we're coming back, you know, white lights, like, here we go, let's do the day and then let's do this again tomorrow night because it's like usually if it's like a one night set and it's not a multi-night set they're gonna close with like a banger and I love white lights don't get me wrong but I personally don't think white lights is the encore song you know like I think it should be played somewhere else and that's my personal opinion I'm sure a lot of people disagree so when I feel like white lights is played as the encore and stuff um, it to me it's always like a comma to another night I, can tell you I, I hear that. Hey, give me a first set white lights. I'll, I'll take yeah. it. And I won't yeah. complain. Yeah. Yeah. I love white lights. I do. It's just like, I just don't think it's a, for me, it's just not like if I walk out with an encore of a white light song on like just a one night run, I'm just like, oh, you know, like you'd play that earlier in the set and give me like a, a hardcore banger. But white lights last night was, it was a lot of fun. It was really awesome. And it was a really good white lights. So I mean, it's interesting. I've, I've seen White Lights twice, and one of them ended a second set, and the other one was in the encore. And I agree with you. Like, I thought the second set ending version was was stronger overall. It just it allowed them to kind of expand, build to like a really resounding peak. Um, whereas the encore version, a night one of Goosemas, I, I thought it was good, but like coming off of a set and then playing that song, it it, it broke up the flow in in a way that like, you know, if you get a encore of um, I don't know, just like looking back through their, their recent shows here, uh, like they've done a bunch of um, covers in the in the overall encore slot. But like I think like Slow Ready is like a slower song worked really well in an encore in Boston, whereas White Lights sometimes feels like those. The emotion of White Lights feels a little bit um, a little bit more flat in the encore than it does like mid middle of the set. I Yeah, I feel that way. And I feel it's always like, you know, a night one of a multi-night run and stuff. It's always a good comp to that, like making you want more like, okay, we're going to end on this, but tomorrow night, let's see what happens. You know? So I just always feel like it's that come back and get more. And of course I've had friends that were going home tonight that they were supposed to work, that they're like, Oh, Thursday was the only day I could work out, you know, work it out. And then of course I get texts all day. Like, Nope, I can't go home tonight. Called in sick at work. Couldn't end on that. Just couldn't end on it. You know, got to go back. So, yeah, it's not that I don't love white lights. It's just that I think it's more of a comma of an encore song in a multi-night run to just mm. get you to come back for more. So, so we've talked about this exhaustively on on this podcast. Um, the non-core is what we call it, and we've even got Peter <laughs> saying it at this point. Um, but, and this is not a, well, I mean, I don't know if it really is a non-core. A non-core would be like, all right, we're going to play Pancakes for the five minutes that we, you know. Uh-oh. Ooh, lost I now. dropped for a second. We I don't know where you lost me, but uh, <laughs> the Wi-Fi didn't check out. So, yeah. You're saying, so it, yeah. In terms of the non-core, right? We got five more minutes of pancakes. That would have been incredible. Kind of agree with the sentiment that, like, I don't know, like, did we need this punctuation on the set? I don't know. But it was nice of them to actually not uh, walk off the stage. Oh man, I'm having all kinds of trouble with Wi-Fi all of a sudden. Um, well, I, I think so, I think to your point. Well, I, I think to your point, you like, with me? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gotcha. here. Um, I, I saw the the War on Drugs do this uh, back in February last year. They played out here in Denver, and they were coming towards the end of their set, and they were just like, "Look, we're not going to walk off the stage and do that whole thing, and and you guys clap and pretend that we're not coming back on stage, and then we're coming back on stage. And now we're playing another song. Like we're just going to play the last song. And there's, I feel like there's a larger debate of like, what is the purpose of an encore? I like them in the sense that like you close out a set properly. That's like a unified thing that you, that you consider and you can re-listen to. Sometimes you don't need to listen to an encore and you get this break, the band comes on and they give you like the dessert to the meal type of thing. But Goose has a way of playing a show either with an encore or without an encore. And it feels just as energetic uh, both ways. Like I remember a lot of, like I saw my first two shows were sculpture park 2021 and the first night they ran right up against curfew and we're like, shit, we can't play another song. Here's Empress. We'll, we'll walk off the stage after this. And the next night had an encore and I didn't walk away from either night being like, that was better than that. Like it just, it all just kind of worked. And I do love the idea that like this very professional rock band that's still figuring out like, you know, aspects of their their overall career in that sort of standpoint lose themselves in the music and cannot recover in time to take a proper break and come back on a play a song like there's something i love about that aspect of them right now yeah i i i am torn on it i don't know i, I, think, <laughs> I and i'll tell you who wasn't disappointed was the couple next to me last night who was really hoping for white lights so being next to them, they were very excited. So they got it. You know, can't complain. Kept the energy up. I I, I like the song. I, I kind of knew it was gonna come these three nights. I, I was pretty sure of it. So I, I was cool to hear. I, I didn't know what they were gonna do with that last. Like I looked at my watch when he said we're just gonna play till midnight, and I was like, okay, what I, what could you possibly play for like five minutes that won't be like you maybe like a little disappointing that it didn't go longer or something. But that that was it was it was. Perfect. And the pancakes, I mean, uh, really good as well. So they, they could have took it out a little longer, but it also didn't overstay its welcome at all. Like they brought it down and uh, kind of it, it went off the path of pancakes a little bit, but they just brought it up and up and up. And that return into pancakes is like one of my favorite things to hear, especially after the last year's Nashville version, which we don't have to get into again. But. Yeah. yeah, no, we can't. I, I just, can't, I'm always um, thinking about, actually, I'm always thinking about that one. So, but it, it was, uh, we, I mean, this time. We'll, we'll do a whole episode one day on, on Nashville pancakes <laughs> on. and we'll have you on I, I uh, for sure. Uh, your first show, you get a, a jam of that quality. That is, uh, that's something to be excited about. That'll do it. It's yeah, well, uh, um, thank you all for being on, Brett. Uh, Alexis, I didn't introduce everybody. Alexis from uh, Goose Chicks Pod, uh, Osiris Goose Podcast. Uh, Brian Brinkman from a million uh, Osiris Goose Pod, or Osiris <laughs> Podcast. So thank you all for being on. Really appreciate it. I'm really, really looking forward to tonight um, yes. and checking in about this again tomorrow. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank for you, having me. Hi, this is Henry K host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music, 
Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.